Welcome to Schneps Connects. This is your host, Josh Schneps. I hope everyone's been following along as I've interviewed just about every candidate running for New York City mayor. But according to the most recent polls on this episode, I have the front runner with us, Andrew Yang. Many are aware of Andrew and the platform he developed running for US president. He surprised a lot of people from the general public to the pundits by growing a huge base and staying in the race through mid-February. Andrew's a native New Yorker. He went to law school at Columbia and he lives in New York City with his wife and two sons. He was a not-for-profit entrepreneur and left for politics. So Andrew, I'm so happy to have you on the show and, and be able to share more about your vision for New York City in the future. So welcome, thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me, Josh. And I just wanna commend you and, and your organization for covering all of these local races and affairs that frankly people should be paying more attention to, but often um, are not covered. So congrats to you and the entire uh, organization. Well, thank you so much. Listen, it's a critical time for this city and, and so happy to hear you know, your vision for it. Um, yeah, sure. The, I mean, yeah, the city's in a really tough spot right now. I mean, uh, we can see it and feel it around us every day. I'm sure that you, because of the your local papers, I mean, you can have your fingers on the pulse more than just about anyone in terms of advertisers and what they're seeing and, and hearing. Yeah, listen, it's tough for small business. I think, you know, that's been obviously health is is number one on everybody's list. But God willing, as we get out of this pandemic, it's about people paying their rent and paying their uh, mortgages and, and being able to stay in business. I think it's a critical part of what our city needs to rebuild is going to be the, the local economy. Yeah, man, I'm sure it's the small businesses that advertise in your papers and on your website. The, the truth of it is that we are badly wounded economically. And what I try and convey to people is that most of our problems are not political in nature, but politics can help us or hurt us in terms of our recovery. So I'm something of a numbers guy, which I think most people might know about me from the presidential. Uh, and the numbers around our current situation are horrific. We've lost over 27,000 lives, including friends, family members, and neighbors, 600,000 jobs. We're down 84% of commuters. Uh, and I, I was uh, telling you about before we got started that I read AM New York uh, every morning after I, I would uh, drop off one of my kids and then I'd head to the office and I would just sit there reading AM New York, trying to catch up on local sports uh, news and Love sometimes uh, some other stuff. Um, but we're down. 84% of commuters, 60 million tourists, subway ridership is down 70%. Thousands of small businesses have closed or are in the process of, of closing. Uh, it, it's, it's rough any way you look at it. Uh, 300,000 people have left New York City, including some folks who are very, very high earners. So that's where we are right now. And again, these problems aren't that political if you look at them. Um, but how are we going to get back all of the, these customers and tourists and commuters uh, and, and small businesses? You're going to need to have uh, a government that's working hand in hand with the private sector and the philanthropic sector if we're going to have the recovery that we want. Are there any other specific platforms or you know, real priorities that you would put in place as mayor? Oh my gosh, I mean, where to begin? Uh, so we have some opportunities, but we have to face fact that New York, as we know it, is not going to come back unless we fight for it at every turn. 
So I talked to CEOs and heads of organizations. I could actually ask you because you're the head of an organization, Josh, uh, about when they plan on having workers back to the office. And what the CEOs are telling me is that they're going to start having them back uh, a bit later this year, maybe two, three days a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that that's not enough. Uh, we want people to come back five days a week. And back pre-COVID, there was talk about taxing commuters. We're going to have to go the other way and offer incentives to commuters. We're going to have to say, hey, if you commute to New York City five days a week, we're going to give you a gift certificate to a New York City restaurant. You can like go out, like, like have some fun. And then the business can redeem it with the city. Uh, like that's the kind of measure we're going to have to adopt. I championed a, a subway fare holiday for the week of Memorial Day, um, which would get people back on the subway and exploring different neighborhoods and get people uh, into the city. Because if you are in the suburbs and you hear what, like subways are free, like, you know, uh, maybe I should go in and then I can explore various neighborhoods. That would be a very low cost investment for us to try and uh, stimulate ridership, which again is down 70%. Uh, for tourism, I'm already committing to the largest post-COVID celebration in the country that's going to occur in all five boroughs because we need to replace the images that people have of New York City right now in a time of COVID with images of thousands of people coming together and safely celebrating. Um, so we, we're going to have to earn our recovery. Uh, if we just sit on our hands and say, eventually all the commuters and tourists and businesses will come back, it's not gonna come back the way we want it to. Let's just take a step back because you know you you came out of what was a successful career in the nonprofit sector, and then you went I mean into politics at the highest level you could possibly go, um, running for U.S. president. So what was the impetus to that, and and obviously now leading into running for mayor of New York City? Oh wow, Josh, I'm going to have to retrace my steps kind of far back to explain that one. <laughs> so I moved to New York City as a 21 year old law student, as you said. Uh, and then I was an attorney for five months. Um, I left to start an ill-fated dot-com business during the first bubble and then worked in growth companies and tech startups for about 10 years. I became the head of an education company that grew to become number one in the U.S. and was bought by a bigger company in 2009. And then in 2011, I left to start a nonprofit, uh, one that you described uh, that trained entrepreneurs to operate and uh, grow businesses in communities around the country. And that was the big left turn for me because when I met my wife, Evelyn, I was a small company executive. So it's a pretty normal guy. Um, and it really diverged when I decided to start a nonprofit, which anyone mm -hmm. listening to this, if you ever started a nonprofit, it is very, very difficult to start a nonprofit. <laughs> nonprofit. Um, you know, nonprofits run on passion. I, start, I founded and ran uh, Venture for America for six and a half years. And during that time, I saw the Midwest and the South and a lot of parts of the country that frankly were not doing very well. And I began to fear for what was happening to our country. And then Donald Trump became president in 2016. And uh, when that happened, I thought, wow, this is even worse than I'd thought. And the trends are speeding up, not slowing down. Our country doesn't seem to understand what's happening to it. Um, so how can I help us understand and advance real solutions like cash relief and, and trying to humanize the economy? So even when I ran for president, I didn't really see myself as a political figure. 
I saw myself as an entrepreneur trying to solve very, very big problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm really grateful to the people that helped my presidential campaign grow to the point where, you know, like we, we became a national movement and mainstreamed cash relief to the point where now a majority of Americans are for it. So talk about that, because that brings us back into the economy and really something that you're running on now. Um, and obviously it resonated. I mean, I think that was a big part of your platform. How does that work? And how does the city, as, as a mayor, how can we afford to do something like that? How does it work economically speaking for people to understand the vision? Well, first, it's completely different on the federal level versus the city level. <laughs> Let me say that up front. So when I was running for president, I would say, hey, we should give everyone $1,000 a month. And then people would look at that and say, oh, like, how can we possibly pay for that? And then I would say, well, we have a $22 trillion economy. We spent $4 trillion on bailing out Wall Street. If we wanted to, we could actually do this for our people at a national level. And we frankly proved that that was the case with the CARES Act, which was 2.2 trillion and the American Rescue Plan. Um, so that's at the federal level. At the city level, we have to make the numbers work. And as someone who's run businesses and you run a business and like, so I feel, you know, I mean, you live this every freaking month <laughs> that you have revenues, you have expenses, yeah. you have to make sure that the expenses are less than the revenues. Um, so that's the situation New York City's in, which means that we cannot do something like universal basic income for everyone. But what we can do is we can do targeted cash relief to help stabilize the situations of people who are in extreme poverty. And the folks who are in extreme poverty, and I met several of them today uh, who are uh, right now um, without a home, um, mm -hmm. people who are in extreme poverty tend to uh, enter various city uh, institutions and systems that are frankly very, very costly. Like our sheltering system is extraordinarily expensive. Uh, and so the, the goal is to have cash relief that helps preserve the situations that people are in so that they don't get worse and don't make certain crises that we're suffering, particularly homelessness and street homelessness, worse than they are right now. Yeah, I think it's a difficult thing for the public to understand because um, when there's call to give, you know, shelter to the homeless or, you know, help them in other ways, people feel how are they able to afford that when in fact it really costs a ton of money to rent hotel rooms or you know other ways that the city's already operating that i think people don't recognize yeah and i just want to throw a number on it so people understand yeah. it costs new york city six thousand dollars a month to house a family in our sheltering system or you mentioned the hotel rooms which were being utilized yeah. as emergency shelters we were paying as a city $200 a night times 30 is $6,000 a month. So you wind up with the same number. Um, and, and so if you look at those kinds of expenditures for folks who are on the street or uh, in need of shelter, you think to yourself, there's gotta be a better way than that. You know, I mean, 6,000 is like a way above market rate for like a reasonable shelter for, uh, for a family even. Uh, and so it's a kind of situation where if you can help keep people in, uh, their homes right now, you'll actually end up with, like not having to spend an arm and a leg because of the inefficiency of some of our systems. What do you think about any public-private partnerships that can be created? Because I imagine for six thousand dollars a month, you know, you probably throw that number of people in real estate and they're like, "Well, I could do it more cost-effectively than that." Well, most of our solutions in the real estate area are public-private partnerships okay. because it's not like New York City itself. Uh, develops properties, often it's working with 
uh, uh, existing developers. Now, some of those developers are nonprofits, um, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's still the case that, you know, we have public-private um, partnerships for most of our housing needs. Um, and I agree with you that if we're going to address the crisis in affordable housing or the lack thereof, um, it's going to require both the private sector and the public sector. And one of the, the things that you see when you attend these forums is that mayoral candidates are arguing over essentially incentive programs for developers. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to, to have this much for um, extremely affordable or deeply affordable housing. And, and those policies are very good and necessary. And we have the, the same kind of plan. Um, but I'm going to suggest that we're in a different kind of situation right now where a lot of the development incentives, frankly, assume a positive economic environment where a real estate developer will look up and say, hey, if I develop something, I'm gonna make lots of money and then you're gonna push me to make a little bit less money by, uh, by having some of the housing be affordable. The fact is right now we have double digit vacancy rates in existing apartments. I talk to developers and they're not exactly chomping at the bit to break new ground when their current building is lying empty. Mm -hmm. uh, hotels are 80 to 90% unoccupied. Commercial real estate is 80% unoccupied. So if, if you have development incentives, I think you're kind of missing the situation we're in right now because we, we don't have the time and we have these massive uh, existing buildings that right now are trying to figure out what their market fit is. Let's talk about safety because obviously that's a huge concern for everyone. You know, there's been a lot of issues with funding with how minority groups are treated. And now there's been a huge issue that needs to be addressed with anti-Asian sentiment. And there's been some really scary um, situations that have happened, not just in New York City, but around the country. So I guess a two-pronged question for you is one, what changes would you like to see as mayor for the NYPD? And two, as an Asian American, what role do you think you could play in halting or addressing this anti-Asian sentiment? When you talk to New Yorkers, public safety and rising crime are very close to the top of the list of people's concerns. And I'm a parent, uh, you know, I, I have kids. And if you can't mm -hmm. walk down the street and feel safe at night, then it's very difficult to be excited about your city. Uh, and these feelings are grounded in fact. Uh, violent crimes have risen by 94% year over year in New York City. Uh, and so what do we do to try and bring those rates down. Uh, we have to do a couple of things simultaneously where the police are concerned. Uh, but one measure that I propose that now people are excited about is that new police officers should live in New York City. We require that of employees of other agencies that are frankly not as important as the NYPD. <laughs> and if you had cops living in the city, they would have a stronger sense of the communities that they're serving and protecting but also they would be commuting within New York and they would be off duty in New York. So you'd have hundreds of off duty cops just walking around <laughs> living their lives. Like, you know, that's good for public safety. Mm -hmm. um, like we should be pushing police to get the clearance rate, which is the rate at which they're solving crimes and catching perpetrators um, to the same level that it has been historically. And unfortunately it has been declining even as the crime rate has gone up. So there are some real, real trends that we need to try to address and reverse. I will say that one of the reasons why these streets or subways feel less safe is frankly, because there just aren't many people. And, and so if you can reignite economic activity, it actually does affect public safety. Uh, another way I believe we can address this feeling of 
um, unease on our streets is by reducing street homelessness, which I've committed to do by over 50% in my first term. And it's very doable. Like uh, I met with people today, I've been meeting with people over the last number of weeks who work with people who are on our streets uh, and need a better environment. And we can get them there, uh, genuinely. Like, you know, I, I spoke to several of them today, like people who are on our streets. And um, we just need more capacity in uh, not just our shelters, but in safe haven beds, uh, in psych, uh, psych like uh, medical psych wards, uh, mm -hmm. which right now we've lost 14% of psych beds because of various closures, uh, supportive housing, substance abuse resources. If we get the resources and start to bring the shelter stay length down, um, we can reduce street homelessness, which is going to be an enormous uh, help to folks who just want to feel comfortable walking around at, um, at night or during the day. So another thing I really think is critical to talk about, you as a father with two young children, the Department of Education. You came out recently with a strong stance in terms of uh, school reopening. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you would mold the Department of Education as mayor. Yeah, I, I did express my frustration as a parent that schools have not been open. Uh, and as a data guy, I wanna say what parents have felt over the last number of months, which is that online education is 30 to 70% worse than in-person instruction. <laughs> like online school is not a good substitute. Yeah. Uh, but, but another stat is that 29% of New Yorkers don't have high-speed internet, internet at home. Yeah. And uh, those New Yorkers are disproportionately black and brown. So we've been leaving a lot of kids behind uh, and um, the damage is not going to be easy to reverse. So we need to know that our kids are coming back uh, with learning loss in some cases with emotional issues. Uh, we should be redoubling resources. I've asked for 10,000 AmeriCorps tutors to help tutor 100,000 New York uh, students to try and help them catch up. Um, but in terms of long-term approaches to improve our schools, we need to empower the, the uh, school administrators and the teachers who are closest to, to our, our children. Uh, they know best what kids, frankly, would benefit from like uh, an enrichment program or special needs uh, uh, measures. And again, one of my boys is autistic, so I'm, I'm very mm -hmm. passionate about trying to provide for families uh, who require that. Um, and then we need to bulk up in a dramatic fashion, uh, vocational apprenticeship uh, and technical training for high school kids who frankly are being treated right now like everyone's gonna go to college and they're in this kind of industrial uh, like assembly line kind of curriculum. Um, and that's just not the, the right approach for the economy of today. Uh, a lot of kids frankly sense that this education is not super relevant uh, for them. Um, and so we need to connect them to employers at every turn. And I'm not talking about like after high school, I'm talking about like every year, every summer, any touch point we can provide that gets them into a place of business. Um, and I, I know that this would help in part because I spoke to a, a gentleman who's now running for city council named Edwin Raymond, who credits the fact that he worked at the local grocery store as something that turned him around and kept him out of trouble. Um, and, you know, he still has a relationship with his uh, manager at the grocery store. And now he's a grown man. Now he's actually a police lieutenant. So he's a, like a real credit to, to um, the community. Um, so we should be trying to do that for high school kids at every turn, not just the summers, but all of the time. 
So, you know, I've spoken with a lot of the other people running for mayor and a lot of them are either elected officials or they were recently in administrations um, in New York City. You have some strong business leaders, but, you know, what for, for those that don't really know your background and, and are getting to know you through obviously conversations like this and, and ones that you're having throughout the city, what would you say is your biggest advantage being able to come in um, if elected mayor is someone that hasn't really been held elected office before? I think my main uh, approach to things is as someone who ran a small company here in New York City uh, that grew, but it was small. <laughs> you know, like it got less small over time. Um, but if you run a small business in New York City, you have to deliver day in, day out. No one cares about your uh, excuses or politics or what you're dealing with. It's all like, you know, uh, are you giving me what you said you're going to give me when you said it at the value uh, that that we'd agreed on? Um, and right now, New Yorkers are just fed up that things have not been working, where if you look at the various agencies or departments, they don't talk to each other, they're bureaucratic, they're unresponsive, uh, and we're fed up. Uh, you know, like my goal is to just make our government work better for us, to deliver value for us. It's again, one reason why I express frustration over our schools being closed. It's like, hey, like the, the school being closed is not helping my kid. <laughs> you know, like, And that that's like to me a very stark example. Um, and we have lost families because of that. Like I have friends who've looked up and said, what am I doing here in New York? Like my kid's school's closed. Like, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm going to find another environment. Um, so that to me uh, is what I'm providing is someone who's an operator, who's results oriented, who's uh, just going to try and improve uh, on our performance. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not frankly um, super uh, political or ideological, like I'm practical, I'm pragmatic. And I think that's what a lot of New Yorkers want. Uh, but not only did I run a successful private company, I also ran a nonprofit that tried to help create jobs and humanize the economy. Um, I started a national anti-poverty movement that ended up exciting millions of Americans. Uh, even now our mayoral campaign revolves around some uh, ambitious and bold anti-poverty policies around trying to get people internet, trying to get people bank accounts, uh, trying to keep people in their homes. Um, so I think I've got the right blend of can do practical know-how along with a sense of how our institutions have been failing people for years here in New York. Well, Andrew, I have to say, I appreciate your time just to hear, you know, your stance on a lot of the most important issues. And I wish you uh, the best of luck as we come uh, closer to the primary. Well, thank you, man. I wish you the best of luck, too. You know, I think local media is so vital um, and papers around the country have been dying. I'm going to talk nationally just for a minute yep. um, where studies have shown that local papers help bind together uh, towns and communities. And then the absence of local papers, polarization goes up, people are more likely just to vote their party line because they don't know what else is going on. Uh, so really, I just want to applaud your company and folks that are just trying to get information out about what's happening in our communities, because in the absence of that, we really are lost. Well, I really appreciate it. You know, we really take it seriously as a company to be able to inform people, because you're right. I mean, without information, rumors spread. And I think we've already seen how that could impact political landscapes, let alone you know, everyday life. Yeah, 100%. I mean, shoot, like, you know, it, like, 
without information, you just wind up with conspiracy theories, you know? <laughs> That's not what we need. Well, certainly. unfortunately, those spread a lot faster <laughs> online than, uh, than sometimes the, the facts, but I guess that's the reality of the world that we live in now. But I think if anything, it's given people a greater appreciation for their local news sources. Yeah, support your local news sources. Like I, as mayor, I'm actually going to do what I can to try and provide resources uh, to local news. Like I've got some ideas. Like there's some actually some city um, like uh, broadcasting stations. Like the city has actually some media yes. uh, properties yeah. um, that I'm thinking that we could just actually uh, make available to organizations like yours. I think we even have a printing press somewhere. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, if there's some like some local community newsletter that, that, that wants to print some stuff. Well, I'll be looking into that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. I like, again, I just want to solve problems. And um, I think that local media is, um, frankly, a big part of the solution. Well, thank you again. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online anytime at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.